Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in, everybody. It's another hour of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Back with Michael Lombardi. I'm Ben Wilson in for Femi Abebefe today. We know Femi's out on, you know, in the land of a thousand lakes in uh, Minnesota. He's enjoying his, t- enjoying his time off, Michael. We, we, we know that. So, yeah. shout out, Femi. And deserves it. Yeah, I mean, we all deserve it, right? You get a little vacation time. Good for him, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. I will be up in, the, in that area as well, northern Wisconsin, uh, come August. So, very, uh, very excited for that. Little, little lake time, little golf. Yeah, today actually snapped our streak, Michael. 294 straight days of sub 100 degree temperatures in Las Vegas. Longest, I believe, in over 60 years. So that is now over. In case there you go. In case so I celebrated by playing some golf yesterday because you know we kind of had to. It was the last day where we, we felt normal on the on the golf course. So uh, so had to do that. Uh, and we will speaking of Las Vegas, we will speak from one of Las Vegas' finest bookmakers, Vinny Maliulo, coming up in a half hour. The Sports Betting Hall of Famer, Vinny Maliulo, joins us from the South Point on, on the second half of our show today. have some headlines I want to get into, Michael, to, co- to kick off the show. I was on with, uh, with Adam Burke yesterday, right as this news broke. We were doing our, our VEASAN Best Bets. It was our NFL Betting Guide release special, since the VEASAN NFL Guide is now out, available for our VEASAN Pro subscribers. And I was getting into some of my concerns with the Tennessee Titans, and it was right as the suspension comes down. So Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, mm-hmm. projected starter, on an already banged up and question mark riddled Titans offensive line coming into 2023, six game suspension for betting. And it wasn't even on NFL. He was betting on other sports, but was doing it in on team property in, in the team facility. And he basically came out with a statement, had said he had no idea that was part of the NFL rule right. and policy. So what, what do you make of this whole thing? Is, is this NFL overstepping their, their bounds or, or just being too rigid with, uh, with the rules here as their own betting partnerships continue to expand? I mean, he took accountability for his actions, which you appreciate. You know, but he said he didn't know. Now, I think you got to go back and look at who presented the the information to him. I think that would be fair to him. He claims, look, every player claims they didn't take PEDs when they get suspended too, right? But they end up having it in their bloodstream. How it got there, I don't know. You know, but he should have known because everybody's aware of the fact that you can't 
bet in the building. I mean, that's what happened in Detroit, too. So there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect, right? The players are doing this, and they're saying, we didn't know. Does that mean the teams aren't really being very instructful in terms of educating the players on what the rules and regulations are as it relates to gambling? But, you know, this is going to be – look, the the, the Titans are in kind of a transitionary state. They kept Mm – Tannehill under contract for his full $25 million. They did not renegotiate that deal, partly because they don't want to carry any more money into future years in terms of Tannehill and having him have debt on their cap going forward. Okay, so they didn't touch it. So he's a very healthy cap number. Now, they didn't keep him around. All this Will Levis conversation that Will Levis is going to play is kind of ridiculous because they wouldn't have kept Tannehill at $25 million on their cap if they're going to play Levis. And maybe Levis ends up becoming the player, but I don't think he's – he couldn't beat out Sean Clifford at Penn State. How the hell is he going to beat out Ryan Tannehill? Yeah, after his fall so, uh, in the draft as well. Yeah, I totally understand. It's why I looked at – we were talking about some of these, these season-long player totals, and one I like to go under is Derrick Henry's rushing yards, which is at 1150 uh, and a half this season. A guy who has seen his production start to fall off with, that, with now a new offensive coordinator – no, you know you don't you, you you fire who they had last year, and you think about like, well, is Tennessee really going to be in a position to just let Henry ram into a, a poor offensive line for three yards in a cloud of dust a bunch of times this year as he approaches age thirty? I just don't see that being realistic. They're going to have to be more creative in in how they get the ball to Henry. He had his most receiving yards of his career season ago, and the Patrick Ferris suspension now for six games of the year that certainly doesn't help. What I view to be one of the weaker O lines, uh, O lines in the league, Michael. So I, I don't know how you view but the they've Henry. But they've been a bad off. Ben, they've been a bad offensive line for a while now. Even when they had Taylor Lewan at left tackle, I mean, they haven't been very good. I mean, that's. I mean, Tannehill's taken a beating. Let's be clear. Mm-hmm. They've been a run action play line, right? So now they take Andre Dillard, who never played at Philly, really, even though he's a first round pick. They going to play him at left tackle. Paid him really well. You know, they signed Daniel Brushkill from San Francisco to play him at left guard. They drafted Skronsky, or maybe they're going to move Skronsky over to right tackle now, you know, and, and, and then try to find someone else to play in that guard position, which would make some sense because they're going to have to do something at right tackle because of the suspension. But, I, you know, this is another team that changed offensive coordinators. Tim Kelly comes in. But I don't think you could change who you are at Tennessee when you have the big guy in the backfield. We had Will Hill on yesterday, and Will Hill was talking about going the under 1,200 yards on, on Henry. And, and I made the point, look, you know, it's 17 games. It doesn't take a lot to get to 1,200 yards, especially when your offense is set up that it's got to play a certain way. I mean, that's really the one thing about Tennessee is they have have to play a certain way. If they don't play that way, they're not going to, if they get behind Mm -hmm, or if they have to throw it all the time, they're in trouble. So they're kind of married to Henry unless they let Henry go. Now, look, I love the Spears kid from Tulane who they drafted, but he's a good change of pace back. I don't think they're going to transition right to him. Totally fair. And I, that's just where I wonder, will we see more usage in a receiver role for, for Derrick Henry, who was able to add some explosive plays last year? I know that's not his traditional set of usage out of the backfield, but maybe with the new offensive coordinator, understanding we don't want to get away from the focal point of our offense, but can we use him in more optimal spots? Since last two years, his yards per carry have gone way down and have probably, you know, they've been boosted by a couple of those, you know, those, those big runs where he just breaks a you know, 60, 70 yard run. That's happened for Derrick Henry to keep that yard per carry average of just barely over four. So that, that's the concern I would have and, and wonder, can they still use him effectively? 
even if it means the rushing yards are maybe a little bit uh, lower this season. Uh, but again, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about on the, you know, the, the whole gambling front. And it led to our producer, Brian Ortega, did want to bring up a couple of, uh, of tweets here. And I, I know you're a big fan of uh, pro football talk, Michael. So we, we, can see, we can see this. But it was Jonathan Jones who basically started to make the case from the player's perspective. And I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen this earlier from players saying, uh, like Jonathan Jones said, I understand rules are rules, but if I can risk my life so that my team wins, but I can't risk uh, a dime on my team winning, uh, shrug uh, emoji. And so uh, it's a slippery slope, though, isn't I mean, it? Like, I, I mean, come on. I mean, I think that's – look, look, we have the integrity of the game. And you're risking – you know, you the, the there's rules in every job. You know, you and I work here at DraftKings. We have to go through compliance training. There's rules. And so you live by those rules. That's what it is. It is. This isn't, you know, if you don't want to work in the NFL, you don't have to live by the rules. I mean, and so the commissioner has to protect the integrity of the game. You know, uh, it, it, you know, I mean, they're trying to win games, right? But how do you separate who's trying to win games and who's trying to win money? Like, that's a really hard thing to do. And I think that's a little naive for anybody to support that theory. You know, I love the fact that you want to win games, but you can't bet. That's not something we're going to do because it's a slippery slope if you go down it. D- and so, like, why, why, you know, why would it be okay? Look, I want you to be fully invested and bet on yourself, but you can't do it because it just isn't right. It, it has a bad optics to it because how do you separate the people that are trying to make money from the people that are supporting their team? You can't. Yep. Well, and you can always make the case, too. And this, this is what – I mean, you go, this goes back to the 80s with – with Pete Rose, who you know, I've done a, a betting podcast with now for the past year plus, and he's been very open about admitting it. Like, even though people ha- came to his defense saying, "Well, he was betting on his team," well, what about the days where he wasn't? I mean, and, and yeah. that's where you go into the integrity part of it. Here was the tweet, by the way, from uh, Pro Football Talk. In case you wanted to see it, Michael, basically saying the insider information is irrelevant, as as if to say, "Okay, well, he, hey guys, here's the plan for today. We're going to try to score more points than the other team." Basically making the argument that there is no such thing as insider info when you see a guy. Uh, oh come bet on, on stop! Team. So yeah, stop. If you know a guy's injured, if you know they're they're playing a, you know, like let's take for example the, the let's take the Lions versus the Panthers in week seven, 16 or seventeen. The safety she didn't play, so they had a backup safety in there and they ran for three hundred fifty yards. Like that matters. Like that matters. If if it didn't matter, why would teams not want anybody coming to their practice? Like, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. that just shows you you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, seriously. And the, the, there is Every game has strategy to it. Football is a game where it's offense versus defense and the clock. There's three elements to the game, and there's strategy in those three elements. Like, it's not about scoring more points. It's how are we going to play the game. That's kind of a naive statement, Ben. Really, that's really yeah. a ridiculous statement. Well, it's like, I, you know, I consider and believe, you know, believe – Two different things can be true at the same time. Like, is it ridiculous that the NFL's, and, you know, Nicholas Petit Fair didn't realize it, whatever, or, you know, claim to have not realized it? Is it ridiculous in one sense that you cannot bet on a legal sport that is not football in your own team's facility? It seems kind of an, arc, you know, a, a very rigid, archaic rule. I can believe that, while at the same time believing that the slippery slope we're talking about, it, it's a ridiculous notion to, to throw out and start saying, all right, yeah, players, because it's legal and we have partnerships, sure, just start betting on your team whenever you feel like it, and that's totally fine. It, it's, to both what of those they're statements trying to do is they're, they're trying to have rules, unlike college football and college basketball, but there's no rules. It's an open, it's an open sport, you know? And so it kind of looks – it doesn't look right. And when you're, dealing with, when you're dealing with the integrity of the game, you know, I mean, you, you don't want to make this worldwide wrestling, you know? 
So I, I, I think it's important. I really do. Uh, I just think anybody who thinks that teams don't have insider information when they play is really, really doesn't understand the game of football. Yeah. You think uh, you think for Jonathan Jones with the Patriots, who, by the way, had that had that tweet about, hey, why can't I just bet a thousand of my own team to win? Do you think anyone from the Patriots uh, talked to him about that or? Is Bill Belichick not really? Well, I think the point you raised earlier about you know Tennessee is I think it I think the players have the right to investigate were they being taught this? You know we see it in Detroit now we see it in in uh, in in Indianapolis. I mean, where is the slide presentation? Where is you know who went over the rules and what was on those slides and what was talked about in those meetings? You know I think the players own have a right to that investigation because if they weren't told that you can't bet in the building, you can't fault them for doing it. I totally agree. So, because, I mean, we know how these teams, I mean, they try to maximize every single second that they have with their players. And you really think, you really think Bill Belichick sitting in the lecture hall, like, all right, guys, here are the don't bet. Oh, he's the going over the rules now. Now you're going over the rules in those meetings. I've been in them. You're going over the rules to make the players aware of it, especially after what has happened over the, the past uh, couple of weeks. So six that have been six rules that have been laid out now by the NFL with uh, with their gambling policy as a whole. All right, we still have some more to get to as far as NFL topics on this hour. Michael is going to defend himself. That is our segment when we come back talking about three AFC teams to the playoffs. We'll discuss next. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abbafei, on VSEN, the sports betting network. 
It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Still to come on the Lombardi line as we welcome you back. I'm Ben Wilson in for Femi Abebefe. We'll talk with Vinny Malilo, the Sports Betting Hall of Famer, in 15 minutes. But right now, Michael, our producer Brian Ortega has come up with a very fun segment called Defend Yourself. Not that you need to defend yourself. Yeah. I mean, your credentials speak for themselves. But... Uh, with our newly released NFL betting guide now out there, are, I, I always like when we, because I, I always fear being that person who's like, okay, uh, all 20 of our experts picked the Chiefs to win the AFC West. All right, I'm just going to, I'm going to bet the Chiefs to do that. I always fear yeah. that because the NFL is, is, is just naturally a league where changes happen every single year. There's, there's been a team that goes worse to first, it seems like almost every season over the last decade in a, a particular division. So I like it when people are more out there and, and, and make against the grain predictions. That, to me, it's it is the way to go when you're making predictions. And as betters, if there's a team you really really like or a team you really really don't like, you know, there's no there's no bad part of just putting your flag in the ground, staking your claim, and making a bet that reflects that because uh, there is a lot that could change. So defend yourself. It's an idea that we, that we came up with. And the big thing you have that maybe goes against the grain here, Michael, is that you have three AFC East teams making the postseason this year: Buffalo, Miami, and. New England, so I'll ask you, all right, defend yourself. What uh, what makes you like this AFC East division so much heading into the year? Well, I mean, I like Buffalo's team. I think Buffalo's team, this is a bigger break year. I really do. I'm not certain that Sean McDermott taking over the play calling on defense is going to be works out well for them, but I like their team. I like Josh Allen. I worry they're not going to be able to stay healthy. Last year with Makai Hyde and, and Jordan uh, Poyle, Poyer uh, getting injured really affected their team. Are they going to be good enough up front? We saw Von Miller playing out there coaching the golfers up yesterday. He seemed healthy to me. So I like the Bills. I don't love the Bills. The Jets, I think, are, will be an improved team. I think Aaron Rodgers, you put them on his team, they will be better. I love the Patriots' defense. I really do. I think the Patriots defensively can be a good team. Uh, and I think the way they manage the game, the way they'll play the game week in and week out, I think they have a chance to get there. So, look, I could you could make a case for all four teams here. Uh, and Miami, the doubt is can Tua stay healthy and can they, can they play the style that they need to play to help their defense a little bit? Because I think Vic Fangio is going to make a huge difference in Miami, especially with Jalen Ramsey at one corner, Xavier Howard at the other. Look, these are all four good teams. I started my prediction point to defend myself here, Ben, with the idea that 50% of the teams that made the playoffs last year probably aren't going to make it this year. So you, so that's really what I did, because every year that seems to happen come NFL playoff time. It's been a consistent trend, I mean, over and over and over. It's it's not just some one-off thing. That, that is what you usually tend to see, a lot of turnover from one postseason to the next. Yeah, the Miami is the team I wanted to get into because they fired Josh Boyer, who is essentially running, let's, let's just call it what it was, was running the Brian Flores defensive scheme with ridiculously high amounts of blitzing, but it left them extremely vulnerable and exposed in the back end when they were unable to get home on quarterbacks. And it also created this, this setup where we saw so many Dolphin games go over. Remember last year, totals were in the mid to high 50s because they gave up points in mass. Their offense was very explosive as well. And you had this up-tempo, high-possession type 
back and forth games with Miami. Isn't there a thought that with Vic Fangio now coming in, whose defenses tend to play, if you go back to his time as a coordinator, much, much different. They're, they were consistently in the top five or ten in slowest pace allowed against. It, it, essentially, they were, they were forcing opposing offenses to take their time. They weren't able to, to get up to the line and, and really press, press the needle against their defense with how, with how smart they were able to play back, basically forcing opposing offenses to take the throws in front of them and not give up the big explosive play. Won't that impact the, the game state and flow as well? Don't you think that ha- is going to have an impact on how the offense sets up for, for Miami? If all of a sudden we start to see lower possession games and, and you start to see less situations where Tua Tagovailoa and that offense will be really forced to air it out and try to play this catch-up explosive type game. I, I don't think they, to me last year, first let me start off by saying, I think Josh Boyer, you know, one of the reasons I don't think Brian Flores is the head coach is because Josh Boyer, you know, wanted to run the defense. And so uh, it, it Josh Boyer and Brian Flores, they're, they're kind of not on the same pay, wavelength defensively. When Brian Flores took over the defense from Boyer two years ago, they went from being that zero blitz team, which was ridiculous, to playing a little bit more conservative zone blitz, doing some things. They still took chances. And then Flores gets fired. Boyer gets promoted. Wonder why. And then all of a sudden, they just go into a zero blitz and they can't cover. I mean, Xavier Howard can't cover. They couldn't cover anybody. And if their front, which is pretty good, didn't get pressure, then it became a real issue. And that's why people were able to take advantage of them. And then compound the fact that McDaniels never slowed the game down. You know, they were 31st in rushing attempts last year. So, you know, to me, that you've got to be able to slow a game down. You've got to be able to control the pace of the game. You know, it, it can't be just we're going to throw the ball to Hill and Waddle. Like, like, we just can't do that. Like, we have to slow the game down a little bit to help our defense. I think they're better defensively this year. I love the addition of David Long. I think he's really a good inside linebacker. He gives them more speed inside. He's a better player inside the defense than what they've had in the past. So, I, especially when you look at a Landon Roberts who started there last year. And then, I, you know, yeah, Chubb should be healthier. Now, mm-hmm. Zyler is a kid who's a good player. They're going to have to get him under contract. Jordan, Jalen Phillips is a good player. The question's going to be, can Howard hold up on the outside? Nobody's going to throw the ball at, Ra- at Ramsey. Everybody's going to attack Howard, and they're going to attack their nickelbacks, whether it's Needham or someone else. So I think that's the question. But I, let me go back to the beginning, and one of the reasons I'm not a big Miami fan is because McDaniels doesn't operate as a head coach. He operates as the offensive coordinator. Just you could see the way they called the game last year. In fact, McDaniels will tell his coaching staff, look, you know, Vic's going to run the defense, Danny's going to run the special teams, and I run the offense. I think you have to coordinate that as a head coach and work mm-hmm. together. I mean, what he did with the what he did with the quarterbacking situation in the playoff game, I mean, to basically ask Skylar Thompson to go in there and throw the ball as much as he did against Buffalo on the road was really malpractice. He's throwing him to the Wolves, and that's how the season ended for Miami. And the question now, can they get back to the postseason where they're basically a coin flip to do so? And so, and that's why this this division is fascinating. Where you have four teams, you can make the case for uh, in all four of the, of, of the yeah of the setups. Uh, and so, f- you know, for the the Jets, who you talk about your your guide, Michael, uh, what like what is it that is going to leave them falling short? Aside from just oh, Aaron Rodgers maybe w- didn't you know didn't mesh quick enough and wasn't the guy that maybe that everybody was expecting him to be coming right away in, in Game Green. Well, I think if the Jets have one issue next year, it's going to be in their offensive line, right? I mean, can Dwayne Brown stay healthy? Can Mekhi Becton play right tackle? I think that's going to be their biggest key. Can can that happen? I'm not sure it can 
right? You know, I'm not sure they're good enough up front. And then Brace Hall, what's he look like coming off the ACL? I think that's got to be a concern for them. You know, I, I think that's going to be really where they end up. And then where are they with Quentin Williams? To me, if, if the Jets don't win enough games, if they're in that 10-7 and seven category and they're a wild-card team, it's probably because their offensive line wasn't as good as they needed it to be. And their defensive front, without Quentin Williams being a dominant player, you know, is problematic. So I, I think, to me, that's the issue. That, that's what would concern me the most. But, look, I like the Jets. I think it takes a little bit of time before you go good to great, right? Mm-hmm. I think you've got to be able to – Get good before you get great. And Aaron Rodgers will make them good. There's no question. I don't think there's going to be the Aaron Rodgers from the MVP season that you know as a Packer fan wearing your cheesehead outfit, mm-hmm. but he's still pretty damn good. No, of course. Yeah. That, that, it will, I mean, he's going to give them an upgrade right away. It's just amidst a very competitive division, amidst some other issues on that team, how good can they be right away? Again, we're talking uh, defend yourself, Michael. So your first one is three AFC East teams to make the postseason. Uh, how about one, one more real quick before we hit a break? You believe the Cowboys will jump the Eagles this season and win the NFC East. Uh, defend yourself on that one, sir. Well, I mean, look, you, you know, we've seen the East go upside down every single year, right? Oh, yeah. And I just think to me the only – I still think the Eagles are a good team. I just think to me the difference is people are going to prepare for Philadelphia more than they have. Last year they caught the world by storm. I mean, 240 points in the second quarter was remarkable, right? And they're a talented team. However, that being said, new offense coordinator, new defensive coordinator, there's a lot of moving parts, right? And one thing is when you are a Super Bowl caliber team and get to the Super Bowl, people spend a lot of time studying you. And when you get used to it, like they run an offense that's no different than running like the wishbone, where if you don't practice it during the week and you don't work on it, it's going to be hard for you to get better at it. And so I think teams will spend more time working on it. And will it have the same impact? I don't know. But will they be as explosive in the second quarter? Look, this Philadelphia team never played from behind. If they have to run drop-back passes, where are they? It's not like you can just magically expect to run out that same exact system and have no resistance whatsoever. We've seen that time and time again in the NFL. Eagles minus 110 to win that division at the moment. Cowboys plus 170. On the other side, time to visit with the Sports Betting Hall of Famer, Vinny Maliulo. Where is he seeing some early NFL futures interest? We'll discuss that next right here on Beeson. And with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi, now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And a big thanks to our first guest on the show today, Charlie Goldsmith. We'll have Vinny Maliulo, the Sports Betting Hall of Famer, Coming up in about 45 minutes, he'll be joining us from over at the South Point. I'm Ben Wilson in for Femi here at Circa with uh, Michael in his traditional setup uh, on the East Coast. 
And we're talking AFC North, Michael, because we, we had Charlie to break down the Bengals. Our new NFL betting guide is now out. And as we take a look at the North, my, my big question is, as great as Cincinnati is, and they are the rightful favorite this year, it's, to me, what are you getting out of Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore offense with a new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin, who came in, and his, his introductory press conference said all sorts of uh, very... Uh, very aggressive things that would that would make betters mouths water. Like we want to go empty a ton with Jackson. We want to throw the ball downfield much, much more. Uh, how potent do you believe this Raven offense actually will end up looking in 2023? Well, the concern I have about the Ravens offense is is when you go from a run based offense to a a spread it out. We're going to wing it all over the place. Do you have the offensive line to press protect to handle that? You know, Ronnie Stanley is one of their highest paid players on their cap. He has a hard time staying healthy. And Morgan Moses is over 30 years old. He has a hard time staying healthy. Kevin Zeitler's over 30 years old. Are they going to be good enough in the offensive line to wing the ball around? You know, and will they not turn the ball over? Will they play to their defense? So, to me, I, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, they need to be more explosive. Yes, they need to run the ball. But this is – they need to throw the ball. But this is really a run-based team that could utilize more play action, more explosive plays. And how that all manifests itself will be interesting to see. So, you know, and then my question is on them too, Ben, besides the offensive, are they really good enough on defense? Are they really good enough on defense? I'm not sure about that. You know, I think they're good on defense. I don't think they're the, you know, we have this, this reputation for being this elite defense, right? And, Part of that being the elite defense is they run the ball, they slow the game down, they kind of control the pace. Are they really an elite defense? I, I don't know. I don't think they are. I think they will struggle. And I'm glad you used the word pace because you look at how the offense set up last year and thinking about an aging offensive line that has struggled with health over the past couple seasons. They were a very slow-paced offense last year. They ended up with the third most delay of game penalties in, in the league, they had eight of those. They averaged a play every 41.8 seconds of real time, fourth slowest rate in the league. So that's why I wonder, it's not just what the offense looks like under a new OC in Todd Munkin, but if they are going as up-tempo as he has said in every single media availability so far, how does that change the entire dynamic of that team? Does that expose the defensive weaknesses you talk about, Michael? Does that make their offense all that more explosive? That's that's what I think is just so fascinating because it all, all, the, all the things we're hearing and reading is that you're going to see a much more open look, downfield passing, like run and gun, let's go quick tempo. And will that take, I would have to think, right, that's going to take time to at least get into a cohesive manner. And, and those first couple of weeks, it might, might be a little shaky to say the least there for, for how Baltimore looks with, with such an exotic change and, and being so different than what their identity has been. Right. And so are they good enough on defense to kind of keep them in that? You know, I, I think that's the question. Who, you know, their corner situation. Look, Marlon Humphrey's a really good player, but he's a better slack corner than he is an outside corner. You know, so Yasin, the kid that they signed, who was a first round pick, uh, you know, a, a, a second round pick of the Colts, who was in Las Vegas last year. You know, that's not going to be pretty if he's got to play one on one man to man. That's a struggle. Brandon Stevens, can he play one on one? You know, Kyle Hamilton's not a safety. He's an, he's really a sub-backer, even though whatever pro football focus gave him as a grade, I mean, he's a sub-backer. He's not a safety. They never play in the middle of the field. So are they good enough on defense? I think that's the question. Where do they get the pressure? Yes, Roquan Smith's a good player. I don't doubt that. Bowser's a good player. They have some good players, but for the most part, to me, I think that's the question. I, I put it in the guide, Ben, and, and I, I just think to me – and. I worry about their 
analytical approach. I worry about their decision-making. But I think the Browns are the most Mm. talented team and should rise to this, assuming Watson can play better. I mean, the most fascinating thing I've seen in my five years working at VEASAN is that Deshaun Watson is 30-1 to to win the MVP in the league, and Trey Lance, who's not even the starting quarterback, is 25-1. to Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I would say that would that is as wild as it gets from from an odd standpoint. Because uh, yeah, you have the Browns and Ravens each set with the well, same win total, nine and a half. Ravens are your second favorite. Browns third, Steelers fourth in the AFC North. The, just the last quick thing I wanted to bring up on on the Ravens rep because saw this quote from Lamar Jackson. Now I'm as I'm as much of an optimist as anybody. I root for for human achievement. Lamar Jackson came out, Michael, and said, "I want to throw for six thousand yards this season." He's never <laughs> thrown for over thirty three hundred. What what delusional world is he living in? Even if it is an up tempo, fire the ball downfield offense. That's crazy yeah, I mean, to me. Look, yeah, that, that, I mean that just shows you there's no realism. I mean it's just it's just okay. You know how's that going to happen? And you know I mean so but, I mean to me that's just a a commentary on really no no one knowing. Basically, if you, hey, you want to you want to put that in perspective, what the actual season long passing total prop is, if you want to bet that. 3,500 and a half for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And the over is plus money. You get plus money to take that yeah. over. Just gives you an idea. But yeah, on, on the Cleveland front, you think about a team that has, you mentioned some of the coaching decisions from Kevin Stefanski has, has, has baffled a lot of, of decision makers with his decision processes late in games. But what has to happen aside from Deshaun Watson returning to his, his prior top form when he was in Houston? What else do you, do you see having is the, is the really focal point if Cleveland is going to make a rise and, and end up uh, at least being a very, very legitimate contender to a uh, a preseason favorite in Cincinnati in that division. Well, I, I think more than anything, they got to win close games. I mean, they had no ability to win close games. I mean, the opening of the season they did. You know, they beat Cleveland, they beat Carolina in a close game. They come and they lose the Jet game. They have a huge lead on the Jets. They give up 14 points in the last two minutes of the game. They lose a two-point game to the Chargers. You know, they they lose a three-point game to the Ravens. They come back and, you know, and then they start, they can't kind of find a way to win close games. And that's the big issue. And a lot of it is their own doing. They, they you know, that Cincinnati game that, I mean, the New Orleans game, they, they lose 17. They had no business losing to New Orleans at that time of the year. They lose to Pittsburgh 28 to 14 at the end of the year. So to me, it starts with winning close games, right? That that And that's what started their season off. They lose to Atlanta on a field goal at the end of the game, the Chargers the same way. And until they get that situated, it's going to be really challenging. So, But I think they'll be better defensively, especially rushing the passer. I think Miles Garrett will have a very good season with Zaria Smith on the other side. I think they'll play run defense much better. You know, last year they were sporadic in their ability to play run defense. Sometimes it was good. Second half of the season it kind of wasn't as good. The last six, five games of the season they, they gave up at over at least 130 yards rushing per game mm-hmm. when typically earlier in the year they did, but they had those meltdowns. I mean, they had these so inconsistent games. They gave up 220, 202 yards rushing to Atlanta, and then the next week they gave up 238 to to the Chargers, who don't even want to run the ball. Yep. So they've got to fix those problems, Ben. And if you think too, like that, that if they're able to solve those issues, think about what they have on offense. It's not necessarily just the Deshaun Watson piece, although of course you're expecting a, a return back to higher form from him. I don't know that people really really appreciate what you know, what they have gotten. Just the the explosiveness from Nick Chubb, his ability to rack up more yards than expected. 
you, you like to give me a hard time for my love of analytics, but I, I was doing some, some diving on the, the running back group this year in the NFL. I, Nick Chubb led all running backs last year in, in the rush yards over expected metric by this insanely wide margin. And we look at him as just this kind of between the tackles bruising guy. He's better than that. People need to start giving Nick oh, Chubb more, much more that. credit. Oh, I think Nick Chubb's great. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like him so much. I mean, I think Nick Chubb is great. He can do everything. I think he doesn't even do enough in the passing game. But look, the bigger issue is, is if they don't slow down teams from running the ball, you know, that it's going to be an issue. And they're so inconsistent in everything they did. And last year, Watson was just not good enough offensively. I mean, let's face it, he could not throw the football. So they've got their work cut out for him. But I'm with you on Chubb. I love Chubb. I love their skill players. I mean, they should be better than the 18th team in the National Football League in points scored. Yep, and, and you look at how it'll, it'll play out this year. They're up to 9.5 on the win total. Uh, about a coin flip to make or miss the playoffs. Misses a slight favorite at minus 120. Uh, the strength of schedule numbers, if you're going based on the opposing Vegas win totals for these teams in the division, Baltimore hardest schedule, 21st, Cincinnati 20th, Cleveland 16th, and then Pittsburgh, who is your long shot. They do have the easiest schedule on the board by those win totals of 8th. We'll still have plenty more uh, AFC North and overall NFL previews to get to. We are now under 70 days from the start of the NFL season, September 7, 2023. We'll talk some NFL headlines when we resume. Our number two gets underway right after this on the Lombardi Line. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 